Welcome back to another episode of Career Day, the podcast. I'm your host, Adam Zigner, a high school business teacher here at Carlisle High School in Central Pennsylvania. Today, I'm joined by Uncle Chaps from Barstool Sports. Uh, Chaps is currently the co-host of Zero Blog 30, a military podcast with Barstool. He's all, he was also a Marine gunnery sergeant awarded a Purple Heart for his service. Uh, Chaps is joining us today to talk primarily about his role in the military. We might touch on how that journey led him to where he is today. Uh, Chaps, welcome in. Uh, thanks again for taking the time. Anything I missed there in your intro? I, my position was company gunnery sergeant. I actually got out, at, retired as a staff sergeant. I was I selected to be promoted to gunnery sergeant, but never actually wore it. That's the only thing. Perfect. So as someone who, who listens to Zero Block 30 regularly, you know, I'm pretty much aware of your time in the military. But can you go ahead and tell, you know, my kids that are listening to this um, what you did in the military? Sure. So when I was going to school, I was in college and I decided that I wanted to join the Marine Corps. So I stopped going to college, much to my mom's chagrin. And I went to a recruiting station. And the first person that I was going to go see was an Air Force recruiter. Well, the Air Force recruiter was late. A Marine came out and dressed blues and asked me if I could do pull-ups. I said, yes, I think I could do some pull-ups. So I hopped up on the bar, busted out some pull-ups. And he said, you don't want to join the Air Force. You're built to be a Marine. I took that as a great compliment and signed up that day. I signed up to take the ASVAB. And then three weeks later, I was on my way to Paris Island, South Carolina um, to, to join the Marine Corps. And looking back, I honestly believe it was the best decision of my life. I wouldn't be the grown man that I am. Now, I wouldn't be the father that I am, the person that I am without the Marine Corps. Best decision I ever made. Awesome. So, you know, as you, know, as you progress from that, that trip to Paris Island for your, for your training, where did you go from there? So after Paris Island, I went to like all Marines do to combat school. And it was uh, Marine combat training that I went to in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. After that, I went to MP school, which is the contract that I signed. And when I got to MP school, I ended up finishing at the top of my class and was given the option of either handling a dog, becoming a dog handler, or going to the Marine Corps equivalent of a SWAT team, which would be called SRT. I chose the dog handling route, which I didn't even know existed when I joined. When I signed up, I had no idea that it was a thing. I learned a little bit about it and decided that's what I wanted to do. So I went to school here in San Antonio, Texas at the Military Working Dog Training School. That's awesome. So... Again, you know, I think, I think something that maybe, you know, my students aren't necessarily that aware of is all the different routes you can take once you sign up, once you say, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to join the military, participate in that, in that service. Um, what kind of, what routes, you know, what other routes besides SRT and, you know, the dog handling were you aware of before you went? I wasn't aware of a whole lot. I didn't do a whole lot of research. I just knew that I wanted to join in some way. Um, so in the MP field, you have several different routes you could take. You could take the SRT, which is the SWAT team, the dog school. Then you also have field MPs, which will be more like you're doing convoy security. You will, um, a lot of times you function just as a regular infantry unit. You can also do base MPs, which is basically being a cop on base where you pull people over, you investigate accidents, you, if people have a disturbance at their house, just like any other thing that a cop would do on the outside, you perform those functions on base. Now, if there's a, a building that gets um, robbed on base and it, say it's an armory where they keep all the weapons. It's a little bit bigger deal than let's say if a target gets robbed because you're robbing a place that has 
machine guns inside and the rounds for the machine guns and all kinds of different things. So you have to be ready at all times. So there's a, a litany of different jobs that you can have inside each one of the career fields, not just the MP field. Right. So, you know, throughout your time, you know, as you started and you got into the dog handling, did you have, would you say there's typical days in the military? Um, there's definitely typical days. And I would say that that's why being a dog handler is the best job in the military because normally you can get called away to go do any kind of cleaning. You can get called away to do any type of small menial task. The dog handlers don't necessarily get called to do that because we have to take care of our dogs. The very first thing that I would do each day, our work day started around 5.30. 5.30 in the morning, you get to the dogs, you feed them, you spray their kennels out if they had gone to the bathroom in their kennels to clean it up. You make sure that they get their exercise. You start playing the games and then you prepare for training for the day. You have to be around these dogs all the time. That's how they listen. They don't do it because it's a job for them. They do it out of loyalty to the handler. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you had those typical days set up and kind of regimented for you and you knew what you were doing when you were doing it. Um, was that kind of always what you looked for, like the structure side of it going, you know, as a high school student, you mentioned that you left college um, to join the military. Was there another plan for in your mind besides the military? Yeah, I wanted to be a pastor when I joined that my entire young adult life, I guess, early college, I've been preparing to be a pastor. Um, the structure aspect is something that I think really aided me. It's probably something that I needed. If you would have asked me before I joined, did I have a lot of structure? My answer would have been no. I was a pretty smart kid growing up, so I didn't have to study a whole lot in school. And that was to my detriment. The Marine Corps is not that way, where you are going to be structured to the smallest little detail of your day is going to be planned out when you're a junior ranking person by somebody else. You have no idea what you're going to do every day when you get to work. You're just going to do what you're told. And was there, was there a catalyst that kind of drove that shift for you from, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a pastor. I'm going to take that route. Was there a catalyst that drove you to the, to the, to the military? Yeah, I was working at a church and I knew some older gentlemen there that were Vietnam veterans and I thought, how am I supposed to impart wisdom on these older guys who have experienced so much more than I have in life? At the time, I was 21 years old. And I thought, what could I possibly teach somebody who's in their 50s and has been to war about life? And in my estimation, still, the answer was nothing. And I had nothing but book smarts and doctrine to, on my side. Other than that, I didn't have a whole lot of experiences. So, yeah, so that, that's kind of what drove you to say, I'm going to get this life experience, you know, similar to those people who, you know, you met through, through that, that route of becoming a pastor. Um, so what about your time in the military? Did you find to be probably the most rewarding or your favorite, you know, experiences that you had? My favorite time is being with the Marines. And I know that that sounds cliche, but every Marine, when they get out after a while, no one says that they misses the Marine Corps, the structure of the Marine Corps, the things that you do day to day, you would be outside of your mind to miss that. But the Marines is what you miss. You miss the camaraderie, being with your buddies and hanging out and doing things that are legitimately crazy at times, like jumping from helicopters with a dog between your legs. Like there's there's all kinds of things that you do in that job field that you just don't get to do anywhere else. And that's what I miss. And so and my next question here, you kind of touched on this already. Um, 
with the gentleman you you met that were veterans already. But was there somebody as you kind of went on that journey to say, okay, I'm going to switch my life, you know, my plan here. Was there anybody that kind of helped you out specifically or inspired you as you took that journey? Not really. I mean, I kind of had always been a lone wolf who marched to the beat of my own drum. So I was just, I wanted to navigate things for myself. And that's kind of how I've always been. And it's still what I, how I am now, even with work now, I don't ask a whole lot of other people's opinions. I kind of just observe and then do my own thing. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, kind of our, the a student question that I got several times written down was, what advice would you give to kids who are looking to enter the military as soon as they're done here in high school? I would say getting as best shape as you possibly can. Like for all the different branches of service, the, the number one thing that they look at for a young person when they're first joining physical standard, if you can be in really good shape and you can do well on the PT test, you will get yelled at far less. <laughs> that should be your goal. When you go in, be as good as you possibly can be at the things that are going to get you yelled at. And being out of shape is the number one thing that you'll get yelled at as a junior troop. So be in as best shape as you possibly can. It's great advice. And then kind of, kind of shifting this to, again, another big shift in your life, um, leaving the military. Um, you certainly taken, you know, a pretty interesting career path since then. Um, can you tell me kind of if your time in the military has prepared you at all for where you are now with Barstool and the things you're doing with them. Yes, absolutely. And I think my last duty station helped me out probably more than any other job in the world could have. So when I got to Lackland, which is the military working dog training base here in San Antonio, when I got to Lackland, I was put in as an instructor. Instructors in the Air Force have to go through an instructor course where by the end of the course, you have to speak for a period of 50 minutes with only saying, um, and, or, uh, three times in that 50 minutes. So you have to be able to speak for long periods of time with sounding intelligent and not having unnatural pauses, going to that course and learning how to speak in a way where I don't have those unnatural pauses helped me out tremendously. So now I can go on a microphone and talk and I don't have those, um, uh, 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 over and over again. And that's solely because of the way that the air force did their training. If you said, um, three times you failed. Yeah, so that's something that we we talk a lot in here about public speaking, and it's a skill that I don't think I had enough uh, introduction to as a high mm -hmm. schooler that I'm trying to impart on my kids the importance of being able to stand in front of a group, no matter what type of group it is, and be confident enough in yourself to, you know, provide the information you're you're there to provide or that you know you're trying to get across to them, is something that definitely I think we can do better as at with kids. And the second thing the Marine Corps really taught me, is, and I say this phrase all the time on my show, is that courage is not the absence of fear, but moving forward despite fear. There's definitely been times where I've been nervous to do an interview with somebody who I respect a lot. For example, Woody Williams is a Medal of Honor recipient, the last living Medal, Medal of Honor recipient from World War II from the Pacific Theater. He was 94 years old, was a flamethrower operator in the Battle of Iwo Jima. He's talked about in boot camp, we do big classes when we're out in the fields about some of the things. So whenever I sat across from him and the legend that he is, I was nervous and I don't usually get nervous, but legends like that, there's another gentleman named Charlie Plum, who was a prisoner of war for six and a half years 
and the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam. I've talked to him. I've talked to people who were shot down over Nazi Germany in World War II, who spent time as an aerial gunner going through and, and B-2 bombers and running machine guns across Nazi infested areas. The people that I've been able to talk to in this job are far more heroic than I could ever possibly dream of. So sitting across from them and calming those nerves and being able to have a normal conversation is a skill that I have because of the Marine Corps as well. And I think one of the things that I, you know, listening to your show and kind of seeing your presence on the internet with what you do, and one of the things I admire most about what you do is how you've taken both of the things that you find passion in the, the job you have now and where you came from. And you're combining that a lot to do a lot to help, uh, to help veterans. And that's something that I, I try to, you know, get across to kids here is that no matter what platform you have, if you can help make things better for somebody, you should, you should do that. And how, what did you, when you got the job at Barstool, did you kind of set out with, you started ZBT, was your plan to kind of help start helping people in that, in the way you are now? No, because I didn't really have a full idea of what the Barstool machine was capable of. I had read it whenever I was younger. Um, when I was living in Virginia, I read it because one of my buddies was from Boston and he introduced me to Barstool. So I knew a little bit about the site, but I didn't understand the monster that is Barstool and what you can do with it. When I first was hired, I wasn't hired to do anything military related. I did satire primarily with sports, just like part of my take does, but they're the best in the world at it. So whenever they launched their podcast, I thought, well, I can't do the same exact thing under the same network. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, set me up for failure. So then I decided to go the military route. And since then, it's just been almost a natural occurring thing where I didn't have a whole lot. I would say no matter who was sitting in this role would be able to do that as long as they were passionate about helping other people. And that's what we are all about. That's what ZBT is about. It's about, it feels like sitting at a bar with your buddies after you get out and just talking. And that's my entire goal there. And in order to talk, we want people to get mental health treatment. We talk to them about normalizing that, getting their benefits from the VA. And it's just been really a dream come true because the thing that I miss the most about the Marine Corps is mentoring the junior Marines behind me. And having this show, it feels like I'm almost a platoon sergeant for a portion of the internet. And that's what I really enjoy. That's like I said, that's something that I've really admired, kind of watching you grow in that in that role and sort of seeing you help help everybody out there on the internet who, you know, has those military questions that you can answer and that you can point them in the right direction. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, and you know, I've been ending all of these with uh, the same exact question, and it's one that I think my students have kind of picked the most from, from all these interviews. And that's what advice do you wish somebody had given the high school version of yourself about life, college, careers that you didn't get? Oh, I don't know. I, I would say that you're going to be able to do things. Um, I think that so many kids in high school and early college, you're just riddled with self-doubt. You're not sure if you can, you want to give that impression off to other people that you're confident that you're, that you know, that you're going to be educated, that you're going to do these things. But every single kid sitting in your classroom is riddled with self-doubt. That's just the nature of teenagers. 
I would say that if you put your brain to it and you really work hard at it, and this is actual hard work, this isn't giving lip service to hard work. It's not saying, oh, I worked hard and I still got to be, I don't know what's going on. You didn't work hard and you know, you didn't actually working hard and working diligently to get better at what you want to do. If you're putting in two hours of effort, somebody else is probably putting in three. So maybe put in that three hours and 15. Like you have to outwork people, especially in a business like this, because there's so many people who want to do it. If you're going to be successful, whether it's in high school, college, you got to put in the work. That's an awesome answer. Chaps, I want to, I want to say thanks again for taking the time today. You know, I definitely appreciate it. My students appreciate it. Um, you know, I just want to, again, say thank you for that. So thanks again for and coming. And one last thing, because I know high school kids always want to know when they found out that I got a purple heart, what does it feel like when you get shot? It feels <laughs> like, because I know you want to know kids, it feels like when you're standing, at, say you put yourself at a golf course and somebody's about to hit a driver. It's like standing right in front of the ball and just getting smacked with it right in the arm. Like that's exactly what it feels like. As the golf coach here, I can certainly, I can certainly appreciate that. So thanks <laughs> yeah. again, chaps. Have, have yeah, a no great problem. day. You too. I want to quickly thank, thank Chaps again for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join us. Um, just like Chaps, lots of exciting guests coming up. Please reach out to me with any contacts you might have that you think would be an interesting guest for this podcast or any feedback you might have. Again, I appreciate all of that you know, coming to me. Check us out on any social media. Send me an email. But again, have a great day, everybody.